Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's podcast, again, comes by way of Carry Optics Nationals. Our guest was 22nd in a stacked field of shooters, and he's fresh off the Pan American Games in Frostproof as well. So let's give a warm welcome to June Kim. How you doing, June? Uh, I'm doing good. How are you, Dave? <laughs> good. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, thanks for being on. You mind yeah. taking a second and introducing yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah, my name is Jun Kim. I'm originally from Korea, South Korea. I moved uh, to America uh, about 13, 14 years ago. Uh, I was raised in Ohio. Then uh, when I got old enough to be independent, I moved out to Las Vegas to uh, work and shoot. So I've been in Vegas for about four four years now. Oh, wow. Vegas. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. Uh, West Coast. It's better weather, in my opinion. So. Yeah, it's kind of hard to argue that. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at the Caribbean and you know what's going to happen over the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get a big storm right up the East Coast. So here we go again. Yeah, I mean, that's actually why I moved out of Ohio. Um, Ohio actually rain, it, it rains uh, and snows more than basically any other state. So it's kind of hard to train or shoot a match there without seeing any rain yeah wow okay and they're gonna have nationals there next year i know <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I, I heard the range there uh i think it's in morango ohio but but the range is really nice there so we'll see how that goes but be prepared to uh you know see a lot of rain then in june yeah bring a rain jacket yep yeah i i could see that well, I mean, you should be used to it. You just shot the Pan American Games, which is basically in a swamp with torrential oh, downpour. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. That was crazy. All that right. Was. So what we normally do, June, is uh, I start off with five icebreaker questions. And then we'll move into the questions about shooting. All right. Cool. Oh, all right. Here we go. Question number one. What's your favorite movie? Uh, I have a couple. Okay. But, uh, the, the most recent one is, uh, Interstellar. Oh, it's, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it stars Matthew McConaughey and, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the director. I'm horrible with names, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. so, yeah. That's why but, our names are on yeah. the bottom. So we, neither one of us can forget. Yeah, he's the uh, uh, really famous UK director, but uh, I forgot. Uh, okay. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Okay. What's and then the other, uh, the other one is uh, Matri Matrix uh, trilogy. Oh yeah, that yeah. is my. Uh, well, I say it's my favorite, but yeah. the only other one that I I would say that would equal it would be the John Wick series of movies. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so John Wick isn't my favorite. But uh, that's, uh, I think, almost the reason why I started shooting. Oh, 
yeah, yeah. Long story short, uh, John Wick movie came out, and uh, a couple YouTube videos of uh, Terran training uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, yeah. were posted on YouTube. And uh, I was watching it, and then I see a suggestion, and it's a video of Terran versus uh, Bob Vogel. And I clicked okay. on it. And uh, I saw uh, Bobo was just, you know, shredding with uh, with this Glock, and I just had no idea that a person could like shoot like that with a pistol. That was just like mind blowing. I'm like, oh my god, I, I gotta get. I got into uh, shooting. Yeah. So was was that video the blue pill or the red pill? Uh <laughs> which one? It's. I think. I I'm guess, trying uh, to remember. I can't remember either. I can I never remember which pill is which. I think. Uh, I think the red one is accepting the truth, like the reality, and blue okay. pill is just you know being at so the that fake was reality. Your, so that was your that was your red pill moment. Yeah, that was a wake up pill for sure. Have you listened to the episode with uh, that I had with Bob? Uh, I saw it on on your Instagram, uh, but I, I didn't get to see uh, watch it. Yeah. Very interesting. Very Is it interesting? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he lives guy. in Ohio, so I I got to take a class from him one time. Did you really? Oh wow, yeah. that had to be very interesting. Yeah, he uh, he actually does it at his house, so it was pretty interesting. Okay, I asked him. Um, well, one of the questions, I'll wait till we get to that question. Um, okay. But all right. So now we move on to your favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I haven't really read in a long time, which is a really bad thing. Uh, but uh do do we do do you have a backup question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we could we could just put doesn't apply and move on. <laughs> I mean there there's a handful, but uh they're not really favorite. They're just uh you know nice books, but not not okay. um not uh notable enough to talk about, I don't think. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. All right, so the next one, um one of our other guest host likes to ask all the time which is favorite superhero but not everybody's into that genre of movies or comic books or whatever so if you don't have one there the backup that i like to go with is historical figure so what's your favorite superhero or historical figure whichever most applies uh so uh my favorite superhero is uh hulk mm. uh, yeah I don't know if we've had the Incredible Hulk yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I think I was a fan of uh, Spider-Man, but once I found out about, uh, you know, Hulk movies started coming out in 2000, and uh, I was just instantly in, in love with it. Just the idea of it. Uh, and it, obviously, it's, you know, not really realistic in any way. But they try, you know, how uh, all these comics try to uh, use scientific so, sort of pseudoscience to, you know, make it seem more realistic. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked uh, I liked the Hulk in that way, too. So, yeah. Okay. That's my favorite, yeah. 
Have you ever, uh, did you know there was a TV series, The Incredible Hulk? Yeah, like back in the 70s or something? Yeah, like, yeah, late yeah. 70s, early yeah. 80s, yep. Yeah. And uh, then uh, my favorite Hulk movie is the one that uh, came out in 2003. That was the first ever. And then a bunch came out afterward, but uh, that was uh, definitely my favorite. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. it didn't get a lot of uh, good uh, feedbacks, but uh, I think that described the, the comic really well. So. Hmm. Okay. Maybe that's why. Maybe it stayed too close to the actual storyline, you know? Yeah. All right. So your next question, they don't have to be married together. So the question is, what's your favorite gun and caliber? But, like, I could say... That's my favorite gun behind me, that rifle. But my favorite caliber is nine millimeter. You know what I mean? I see. Um, that's that's actually a tough question. You know, as a shooter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say right now, uh, my favorite gun is you know what I use and uh, caliber. Obviously, I think nine millimeter, especially for handgun, it's it's. Hands down, the best caliber. Okay, uh, in my opinion. Um, and what gun are you using? I'm using P320 variant. Uh, it's it obviously it has you know upsides and downsides. You know, no gun's perfect in my opinion, but uh, uh, I like P320 because it's honestly never failed, ever. Okay. Uh, other guns have. Uh, I shot Glock before this, and I had a lot of problems with it uh, until I was able to really run it without any malfunctions. But Sig, um, I think it's uh, more uh, or loosely machined than uh, Glock, so it's kind of loose. You know, it's it's uh, the the tolerance is probably a little bit more, more loose. Uh, I honestly haven't had any issues until Pan American, actually, uh, when we dropped, you know, magazines into like just mud water. I oh, think that's yeah. why. But but by itself, I, I really think um, it, it works well. So right under normal condition, it, it works great. But you yeah, throw it exactly. in an extreme situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, even then, I mean, even if it wasn't raining, um, I shoot a, a canic. And I've never had issues except at Frostproof. Oh, um, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I shot the Florida Open back in 2000, I think it was. And man, when my when my mags, so it was in February, so it was dry. When I dropped my mags in the sand, that's the only time I've ever had yeah. issues was there in that sand. So that's where I learned to always have a magazine brush, tools to take yeah. your mags apart quickly. You yeah. know, it was crazy. I was having all kinds of issues, but you live and you learn. Yeah. Now, so my question was going to be, uh, the fifth one is normally not a generic question like those four. It's specific to the guest. And I was going to ask you if you were originally from the U.S. because I know you wear like the Korean flag and you took the picture with Hwanzit Kim and you said, I finally yeah. got to meet the yeah. the only Korean pro shooter. Um, yeah. So we're, I've been, I've been to Korea three times. 
Oh, uh, okay. Po Pohang and Pusan when I was in the military. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Now, where are you from in Korea? So uh, you were stationed uh, on the southern region of Korea. Right. Uh, were you in uh, what what branch of army uh, uh, military? I was in the Marines. Marines, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I lived uh, in a province uh, that pretty much surrounds uh, Seoul. You know, I've, uh, I've okay. known Seoul. Uh, it's called Gyeonggi-do. That, that's okay. where I'm from. So we we pretty much say we're from Seoul because uh, we're pretty much like 30 minutes away from Seoul. I got you. So you're like the yeah. suburb of Seoul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Okay. Now, did you learn to speak English over there? Um. Uh, yes, but uh, uh, a bulk of it was, uh, you know, from when I uh, moved, moved here to U.S. Yeah, not not so much in Korea. They do teach English, uh, but uh, it's not. I don't think it's good enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, you yeah. you speak very good English. That's why I was. Curious. Thank you. I uh, I think it's one of my strengths uh, is uh, I really break down things to the, you know, to the uh, to the smallest things. Uh, I'm able to do that pretty well uh, with language, with sports. I think that's partly why uh, I was able to, you know, uh, shoot well within a, just a few years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking of questions are popping in my head that I want to ask yeah. later. So I'm yeah, writing okay. them down. So okay. if you see me do that, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can't forget my question. Because yeah. I forget them all the time if I, if I don't write them down. So how old were you when you moved to the States? I was 14. Uh, but now I'm 29. So, okay. Okay. So 15 years, 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So when did you first shoot a gun then? Cause I don't think guns are, you're not allowed to own guns in Korea. Are oh you? yeah. Civilian ownership is totally unimaginable in Korea. There's, there's no that, way. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. There, there's some ways you can get like a license to use, uh, air guns for hunting. That's about it. Oh. Yeah. I think oh, there's wow. only like two, uh, indoor gun ranges in Korea. And uh, gun laws are, it's the strictest in, uh, of all the countries. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's okay. not, yeah, that's uh, what we're doing now. It's just, if, if they saw what we do here, they would just be blown. Their mind would be completely blown. Yeah. It just wow. doesn't, doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, because I've been over there, I mean, I know the yeah. situation with North Korea. I mean, I've, yeah. I've seen it firsthand. So yeah. it's kind of surprising to me that they don't want civilians to have. Um, yeah, I think ownership. it's a, I think it's a cultural thing. Um, uh, I think the old mentality is, oh, uh, we used guns to kill each other. So, you know, it's not, a, you know, it's it's kind of uh it's they're not familiar with it and uh you know that they kind of blamed uh the gun and you know the weapons for right. you know uh like fighting 
and all that. So uh, they don't I have gotcha. a good image of it. Yeah. Okay. So when when did you first shoot a gun then? Obviously, it was over here. Uh, right. So um, first time I got to shoot a real gun was a 22 LR, just a rifle uh, mm -hmm. with my I went to my friend's farm over the weekend in high school. I got to just shoot for the first time ever. I think that was maybe <clears throat> I was eight, 18 years old. Okay. And uh, I was like instantly hooked, like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I always, uh, uh, as a kid, I, I, I had like uh, airsoft guns, you know, and mm -hmm. I just love the, 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 the aspect of, you know, target shooting. You know, I just really like that. But I never got to shoot a real gun until about 18. Uh, yeah, I got to get a taste of it. And then after that, I went to college. Uh, I finished college. And I, it wasn't until I was 23 or 4. That's when I actually got to shoot a handgun for the first time. Yeah. So rifle wow. first and then handgun later yeah okay wow yeah. now college where'd you go to college and what did you get your degree in uh, i went to the ohio state university oh uh, in okay columbus i went to cincinnati for the first year after uh finishing high school but transferred after uh, a year um i got a degree in chemical engineering bachelor's uh, Goodness. And, yeah, I'm now working as like a engineer. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a that's a legitimate degree you got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, it is, but uh, uh, I I do want to, you know, I aspire to ch chase my passion, which I think is uh, which is uh, shooting. So. I, I'm really passionate in teaching too, so okay. I, I hope to be like uh, Hwansik, uh someday. <laughs> Ooh, well, that's good yeah. because that yeah. that actually leads into a question that I have uh, later. So that's good. Okay. We can come back to that. Yeah. Excellent. So now you're shooting the. Um, have you always shot a Sig, or did you shoot something else before in competition and then move to a Sig? Yeah. So um, you know, uh, I said. You know, John Wick was kind of the, the reason why I started pistol shooting. Uh -huh. uh, it's funny because, you know, the, the way you get to choose your gun, it's kind of weird, you know. But uh, the first one I picked up was the HKP-30. Uh, that's in the movie of John Wick. Uh, and then I saw Bob Vogel shoot Glock, like just shredding it, mm. like just crazy, you know, accurate, just yeah. <laughs> blasting it, you know. So I was like, okay, well, I guess like, you know, Glock is a good platform. So I picked it up, started shooting production. Um, and then uh, I tried like limited for high, high capacity. Then uh, after that, I, I jumped on to carry optics. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I spent now, the first uh, one and a half year, two years shooting iron sights uh, and then, uh, and then carry optics. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject a different question then. Now I've talked to a bunch of people and the resounding answers I get is a lot of them seem to feel that if they if they had a new shooter, they would actually start them with a dot before iron sights. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, uh, for beginners, uh, I think they should be given uh, the easiest gun to shoot. Uh, so, like, they could uh, if if they can afford it, definitely shoot from uh, in the open division or with a dot. And then, uh, because the hardest division is honestly, uh, well, aside from competition, you know, um, I think pr uh, production is very very hard because you have 10 rounds in USPSA, uh, you have iron sights and you, you have minor scoring. So if you make a mistake in that division, it's very punishing. Whereas in, you know, high capa capacity uh, divisions, uh, you could, you know, take a couple of pickup shots and, you know, not worry too much about it. You know, you lose a few, you know, fraction of seconds, but you know, you're not standing there and reloading because you your your slide went. You know, uh, right? You know, slide locked. locked. So, yeah, yeah. So um, I I think if I were to go back in time and start all, all over, uh, I would definitely start shooting at like 14. <laughs> uh, but but but, um, but yeah, I would I would start from like you know optics. Uh, you know, get used to the you know sight tracking. Uh, I think it it's also easier to kind of see how your gun moves when well, you have a dot. Yeah, and that's that's what I wanted to interject was the reason uh, everybody has told me that they would start them on a dot is they were like, you can see what's happening with your dot, but with iron sights, you can't. It's much harder to see what much that harder. front sight is doing. Yeah in comparison to the dot. So they were like, yeah. start them on the dot. Then they can see yeah. what the gun's doing. They can call They can learn to yep. call their shots, see their yep. dot, all that. Yeah. So, so uh, I think uh, a really significant uh, pertinent reason is uh, a lot of beginners, they struggle with grip, you know, how, you know, how to grip your gun. So, you know, it doesn't bounce hard. Uh, I really think if you just start it with a, like optic and 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 you can see how the dot moves, uh, you can hone um, the grip part uh, just kind of uh, as a byproduct. So so even the grip, I think you can catch on to it uh, easier and faster with a, with a, a red dot uh, uh, over iron sights. So I, I really think uh, yeah. They should start with uh, optics. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a good training tool. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great training tool, and I think uh, Eric Grafell also mentioned, um, you know, um, <coughs> open as like the mm -hmm. the best training tool for beginners or basically any level. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that'd be the most expensive training tool. <laughs> right. I mean, nowadays they're like 7,000, 10,000. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, I might as well buy a new car. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause if you're, if you're going to be serious in open division, you have to have two guns at least, right? One, one main yeah. and then one backup. And ideally you want to have a practice too. So like you really want three guns if you want to compete seriously. And, uh, 
that's like 30k right there <laughs> yeah that's a lot of cash and if you don't have a sponsor you know who yeah this episode is brought to you by laser app l-a-s-r app they specialize in laser dry fire training super convenient and not to mention super cheap you can use anything for a dry fire target and any device with a camera for capturing the laser hits there's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. And it's veteran-owned. Simplify, Ben. You can utilize multiple targets and multiple cameras. It can be as complex or as simple as your heart desires. They even sell steel challenge banners. They sell cert guns and the cert AR bolt so you can practice indoors with your AR for free. There's a newsletter and a forum you can join. When you sign up for the newsletter, They'll send you a free six-part video series. Check out their website. It's a smorgasbord of items to make you better faster. Use the affiliate link on our website or at the bottom of our podcast notes and on YouTube for a 15% discount. Also, use our coupon code in the store for 10% off of other items not necessarily covered by our affiliate link. Thanks for your support, everyone. Without your support, this podcast would be difficult to maintain. So how long did it from the, how did you first find the USPSA then? So, um, I, I, in the beginning, I did search for, you know, um, like action pistol type events and, uh, you know, uh, like matches. It was really difficult in Ohio. Uh, there was not many out there. If there was, it's like once a month and, Every time you show up, it's raining. <laughs> um, so I, uh, one of my shooting buddies, uh, he uh, shot like IDPA every now and then. Uh, so he was like, hey, just show up to IDPA. Uh, and uh, he did talk about like maybe USPSA once or twice. So I did like, you know, Google search. And uh, um, I'm not sure exactly, but that's sort of how I... Uh, you know, started shooting USPSA. Yeah. Okay. I take it the first time you shot the match, that was it, huh? You were in. Um, the first time it was <laughs> nerve breaking, you know, <laughs> first time ever. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, um, I, well, I think it's more like, uh, as I started shooting, as I got better, uh, I was like, okay, uh, I think I can do this better and better. And when you, when you do it better, you know, it, it's more fun. So I think right. it was gradual actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, how long did it take you to make GM? Uh, I would say four, four years, four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How frequently were you able to shoot matches during that time? Uh, in the beginning? Yeah. During oh. that four years of trying to get to G. Oh, four years? Uh, so, yeah, one of the reasons for moving out to Vegas was so I can, you know, shoot. <laughs> and Yeah. Uh, uh, Vegas, fortunately, had a lot of matches. Um, and... Uh, 
I, I, I do go up to St. George, Southern uh, Utah to shoot local okay. matches there. I, uh, I go to uh, LA to shoot matches there. And then I also sometimes, you know, go down to Arizona to shoot matches there. So it's, it's kind of like a, a really centrally located. Yeah, yeah. It's at a good uh, location for, you know, shooting all these matches. Uh, uh, to answer your question, that's, that's, it's kind of hard to put into, you know, uh, a few sentences. So were you able to, during that time to, to get to GM, yeah. were you able to shoot a, were you shooting like once a weekend, once a month? How frequently do you think you were shooting? So when I started picking up, uh, the, the core fundamentals and, you know, techniques of shooting, that's when I really started getting better. So it took me okay. about, uh, basically when I started shooting carry optics, that's when I was like, oh, okay. I was just, you know, not doing correctly, uh, until I picked up carry optics. Um, but when I got really serious with carry optics, I would, uh, I would try to practice at least, uh, twice a week, a uh, live fire practice and uh shoot at least uh like at least two matches per month yeah okay but then uh, as i you know it, it was a gradual progression so uh the more and more uh, i got into it the more uh practice i would do you know more uh things i would watch and more matches i would go to so so it was like gradually really intensified yeah okay so when you picked up carry optics um so so i'm gonna guess then it was two years from then to gm is that about right yeah that sounds about right yeah okay but so i yeah, think it, i was it, uh in in a limited division before i jumped on to uh optics i, I was a class i think uh, either a or b class yeah but uh yeah it took about two years uh, okay so yeah once you started getting serious about it it, it actually happened yeah. pretty quick but no, I would no, I would I, like to make one one comment. Uh, okay. I I think the way the uh, classifications are set up, classifiers uh, are set up with uh, uh, this particular division, it was easier to uh, you know get bumped to GM because um, a lot of a bulk of the uh, the class classifiers were actually taken off of production hit factor if, you, mm. if you're aware of it so it yeah. was it was a lot easier uh now they're trying to update uh, all the scores but uh i do think it's 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 a bit easier to you know get to gm really quickly with uh care optics especially okay yeah all right um now how much were you dry firing during that time um So, you know, it's kind of very similar to how others, you know, uh, do. Uh, we would, I would uh, dry fire uh, during the weekdays when I can't really, you know, go out to shoot. Um, I never really uh, recorded uh, how much uh, dry fire that I do. It's mostly, you know, getting familiar with it and uh, trying to prepare a little bit, 
get sorry my my dog's you know distracting me <laughs> that's okay i've um, got a 180 pound dog laying beside me it's all good okay um, i get it uh so let's see hmm. I would say fair amount, uh, just to put into a, a, a quantity, I would say maybe like at least 30 minutes every other day, at least. And then, um, you know, if, if given time, probably like 30 minutes every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you still do that much dry fire today? Uh, in pre preparation for major matches, uh, I do. Uh, I try to be, you know, uh, spend as much time with the with, with my gun as as possible every day. Uh, so as, as I get closer to uh, major matches, yes. Uh, and on off season, maybe not as much. Yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. come back to that because I definitely have some training okay. questions about. Well, actually, that's the next one. So. Okay. Now you just shot carry optics nationals and you just shot the Pan American yeah. games. Are you, is this the, are you in the off season now or do you still have any majors left? Oh, so I, I'm shooting, uh, I'm shooting area two in November. Okay. So in that's Arizona, like, yeah. yeah, that's the last major left. And then after that, uh, I'm not sure. I think there's a couple that I can sign up still, but uh, that's so far. That's what I have. Yeah, area two. Okay, so area two is in November. I think it's early November too, like the first yes. weekend or something like that. Um, when so that's your last major. Now, when would you consider your season to begin next year? Oh, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't really looked into the the matches for twenty three. But it's really interesting how USPSA pulls back their uh, nationals earlier and earlier. So, you know, the next one's in June. Right. Uh, so I would say, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really up to the local uh, clubs and um, match hosts because they don't like to host, uh, you know, in wintertime like January and February, you don't see it until like maybe March or April. So I would right. say I would probably start back up, you know, as soon as the matches are ready. <laughs> okay. So, matches, yeah. yeah. So do you take that time? Like, do you take time off completely where you stow your gun away and you don't touch it? Or do you still do a little bit of dry fire during that time? Uh, I would say ladder, yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't like to just, you know, stow it away, you know, and go into hibernation. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I like okay. to keep things maintained. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would still do dry fire. I would still go live fire training. Just uh, probably not as. Uh, so, um, what I've been doing in the last, uh, uh, you know, for a few months is uh, I would, I would go live fire train in the morning before work. So I would train in the morning before work, then go to work and, uh, and uh, that was my schedule. So I would probably start picking up. Uh, so I, uh, during off season, I wouldn't do that as much, but I would probably start doing it again 
uh, so I can, you know, prepare for the majors. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you taken any mental management classes? Uh, no, but I do recognize it as like, you know, one of the hardest, most important thing in, uh, you know, competition. Uh, I did, I did buy, uh, a Ben Stoker's book on match mentality. Okay. Uh, but a, a bulk of it, it's, it's very relatable on how things are done, you know, like, wow, okay, this is how he thought of, about it, you know, things like that. So I'm like, I'm just like, as I read along, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I've been, you know, thinking and doing. So, uh, well, yeah. And. And really, the reason I ask is I, I wrote down a question earlier while you were talking, because when you said you were talking about when you were learning English, you would write stuff down all the time. Lanny Basham's mental management classes, they prescribe uh, that you use a diary, basically. And every single training session or match, you document everything you learned, what you need to work on you know, all that stuff. So that's what made me wonder if you've ever used anything like that for training or shooting where you document, you know, what you trained on, things that you learned, what you need to work on the next time. Have you, have you done any of that? Yeah. So I, I find uh, like writing a diary is super important, but I actually don't write diaries, but I, I do keep notes. I do keep notes on, you know, what I need to improve on and what I need to, uh, you know, go back to. So I, maybe I could pull it up on my phone right now. Give me a second. Yeah, I don't I don't know that they use the term diary, to be honest with you. I always, yeah. Whenever I hear the word diary, I think, you know, 13-year-old girl. But Yeah, um, so I do, like, I have, a white, I have a whiteboard uh, in my house. So I, I write okay. things down and, you know, I, I, I write uh, things down, uh, like notes, uh, so I can, I know what to do for my next practice. All right. But I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm always trying to do more and more, but you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. You're just yeah. always trying to improve. Yeah. Now. All right. This next question is going to be a tough one. Uh, it's <laughs> going to be a loyalty question. What kind of phone do you have? Oh, I, I have an iPhone. Oh, no. <laughs> I have a Samsung, just so you know. <laughs> oh. Okay, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Oh, goodness. Oh. He rejected the Korean phone. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I just feel like uh, iPhones are a lot simpler. And, um, I okay, so I started with, uh, you know, Android, Samsung uh, okay. in the beginning. When the phones started coming out, I asked smartphones. It's just that uh, maybe the technology wasn't there, but after about three months of use, you know, it would start heating up randomly in your pocket. Uh, it would slow down. Apps would crash. A lot of problems. Uh, but when I switched over to iPhone, honestly, none of that, like all of that problems went away. So, and I... Um, before I had this phone, this is, I think, uh, iPhone 12. I had iPhone okay. 6, and I used that for like four or five years. And the only reason I switched wasn't because the phone had problems. It was still perfectly functioning. It's just that uh, 
uh, Apple announced that uh, they would stop uh, updating the phone. So I'm like, okay, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, we'll just have to switch. And so, so I think hardware-wise, iPhones are pretty good. Like they, they they're very long-lasting, aside from battery. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was gonna say I think Samsung has fixed that issue mm. now. Like I had uh, Isaac yeah. Lockwood on, and yeah. his iPhone overheated, and he had to go to a different something else really? to finish. Yeah, to finish. As and I, I just had Jay Beal on Friday night. Yeah. So his his episode's coming out Sunday, and same thing happened. His iPhone overheated in his car. He had to turn the vent on and put the iPhone at the vent to keep it cool while he was yeah. talking to me. Mm, ah, so, I see. Okay. So I, I think anything technology-wise, there's always going to be something somewhere that you know can be an issue. So, but like you, I have a Note 4 that still works fine, but it's not supported okay. and it and the phone isn't, you know, I mean the camera's not as good as you know, now I have a uh, an S22 Ultra because Samsung sent me uh, a link to a deal where I got 60% off of the phone. I'm like, okay. So, so is that the newest? One of the like... Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. So it's... I had a Note 9, but now yeah. they... Because uh, I like the, stylet, the stylus and the S22 Ultra comes with a stylus. So I okay. was like, all right, 60% off the latest and greatest and okay. So, yeah, that's... I, but, but like you, I probably I'll probably have that for five six years at a minimum before I even consider another phone. So. Okay, yeah, I mean like sixty percent. Like, I would start thinking like, oh, what what's wrong with the phone? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that's too good of a deal. It it, it was a very good deal. So, yeah. seems to be working okay so far. We'll see. <laughs> that's good. All right, back on track. Um, so. We talked about the, the the diary writing stuff down. You have a dry erase board, all of that. Now, I noticed in one of your Instagram posts, you also thanked your coach. Now, yes. I've brought this up in the past. I said, yeah. the bigger this sport can get, I think the more we will see coaching. Um, yeah. And one of the guys that comes on occasionally to help host this uh he shot with jj at area eight a year ago yeah i believe it was a year ago and you know jj's dad was there and they were always talking about stuff almost like his dad was his coach yeah so do okay. you ever see it getting to a point where there are coaches actually at a match like a nationals with shooters um uh, I, I really, so, you know, the sport is still so small, you know, it's, you know, it's a small community. Uh, obviously, like I would, I, I hope the sport gets bigger and bigger uh, to the, to the point where, you know, that does happen, like a real coaching. I, I think it would be great, you know, if there, if there's a coach at, at a live match. Uh, I think that would help with the shooters mental mindset greatly mm -hmm. uh but you know that's not the reality right now but yes i think i think uh coaching would be awesome yeah that'd be great yeah. i do too yeah. uh, and i think that this i think it has to 
in order for that to happen, I almost feel like it'd have to go back in time where you talk to some of the guys who shot in the 90s, early 2000s, um, where they were actually winning cash at some of these matches. Yeah. Where you, where you could actually afford maybe to pay someone's expenses to be there, to coach with you. Yeah. But, you know, winning a gun that I, yeah. I don't know what you got off a prize table, but let's say you got the most expensive yeah. gun. Is that still yeah. enough to offset what it would cost to have a coach there? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's only enough to offset uh, the travel expenses. Right. Uh, which is, which is quite a bit, you know, it's, you know, you go to like Talladega for four, 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 five days. It's, it's easily a thousand dollars. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that would be nice. Um, I mean, all the great guys they, they've done without coaching, but I think for, you know, younger shooters who are up and coming, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Coaches. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, um, in, in real life cases, uh, so I shoot, uh, you know, in St. George and, uh, the Williams sisters, they're, they're from St. George. They are. And, uh, I think Glenn is like basically the coach, like he goes to the matches with them, drives them to the matches and, uh, they, they shoot together. So that he's basically the coach. Yeah. I think that's really beneficial for a younger shooter. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're on their own at like nationals, but yeah, they still get a lot of, a lot of coaching. I also feel like I, I would really like to see the nationals streamed and maybe put a paywall in there where, you know, if you want to watch nationals live, it's $10 for the three days, whatever the case is, but that could be a way that you could do remote coaching as well. Like your coach could literally you know, get through the paywall, watch, follow their shooter from bay to bay, stage to stage. Yeah. And then, and then talk with them in between the stages and say, look, this is what I saw when you shot there. Don't forget to ABC. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So I think even streaming would help because again, they don't have to be there. They can watch it live. Mm, I on see every like stage. Remote, remote coaching. Yeah. Yeah, that's I haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but it but it would take, and I talked to Yi Min because Yi Min was um, we were on the same squad, and we talked about you know what it would take, resource wise, to be able to stream it live. So it would take a lot, you know. Yeah. So that's where cameo would have been nice because I know I talked to the guy who actually wired that range uh for it purposes and you could have live scoreboards in every single bay you could stream it to the internet wow. uh, there were you you can do there's four different plugs where you could run stuff in every single bay there it's crazy how um it's basically in over in, over engineered yeah wow i see yeah this episode is brought to you by Gun Butter. Gun Butter is a premier lubricant for your rifle or pistol. They have grease for parts that need it, like lugs on a bolt gun. Man, do I love a bolt gun. It's a proprietary blend that they won't even trademark so as not to have to give away their trade secrets. 
Check out the video I put up on YouTube. Uh, look for another one coming soon. I even ran into Rick Powers, an RO at Carry Optics Nationals. He switched to it after listening to our podcast with Mason Litchfield. He loves it. Rob Epifania uses and loves it. Frank Shu uses it and loves it. Use Casual Shooter 20 and save 20% on checkout. So it's too bad they can't fix the whole magazine issue, you know, give an exemption so they could hold the matches there, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, uh, I, I think it's improving. And uh, I also think uh, they should put cameras up there. <laughs> So for, for, for scoring purposes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stage. And I, yeah. well, and I, I, I know what you're referencing too, because I saw yeah. where, yeah. what was it? Utah state. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, if, if yeah. there was actually like a, uh, you know, a hard proof, like a video footage, uh, the shooter can't say anything like, Oh, like, you know, there's no, you know, uh, opinion. It's just a fact. So I feel like it would be it would make both parties a lot easier, and I think it's really doable, you know. So we'll you think see so? how things change. Uh, I think so. Well, uh, well, USPSA currently disagrees. You know that there are other <laughs> factors that could impact uh, video recording and all that, but I think it's very doable. And you know, every major sport you know uses video footages, so. Yeah, we'll that's how. why I there's no legality issues there. I totally disagree with that. That's like streaming the board of director meetings. There's no legality issue. If yeah. all of the board of directors agree to be yeah. live streamed, there's no legal issue at all. End of discussion. Yeah. So it, it makes no sense. But yeah. The only the only reason I say and I was curious is why you said you think it's doable. Um is I feel like with an action sporting, an action shooting sport, it's very dynamic. So how do you, how would you arrange cameras, and how many cameras would you need to be able to cover all the targets and and all of that? You know, mm-hmm. like it'd be easy to live stream because you could just mount a camera, a on single a large, camera, yeah, on yeah. a large tripod, and then you could stream the shooting that way. But to capture the impacts on target would i feel take a minimum of maybe three shot or three cameras yeah um so i think that would be a challenge on you know how to position the camera in in the angle to you know capture all the you know as many targets as possible but you know with with the kind of you know resolution that we can get with the cameras and uh, yeah, like you said, I think it, it would take about three cameras to, you know, make sure on a really large course to capture all the hits. But, uh, you know, three cameras per stage? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It'll take a while, but I think it's... Yeah, I think um, for, for big stages, probably three cameras. But for small stages, one is probably enough. Like, you're at the Nationals and there's like 10-round short courses... And they're all basically, you know, facing downrange. So, uh, I would like to say it's possible, and I think it should go in that direction because it would really solve a, a lot of, uh, you know, unnecessary or time-consuming um, 
debates and conversation with uh, like, you know, between ROs and shooters. Because, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, shooters, they want to pull the target, you know, right. just delays a lot of uh, the, the, the process. And yeah. none of that, you know, it could just be, you know, a single view on, on the video footage and just, you know, they could be done with it, but it could stretch out, you know, without any proofs and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I can see. It. And there were some, like the stomp pad stage where there were only three targets. They were directly in front of you, like what, maybe seven yards? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I like that so stage. That, <laughs> yeah. that was a fun stage. That was, that was, it's just all about timing. Yeah, it was. I, I liked it. Yeah, I noticed when I went back and watched my video of yeah. that. Yeah, I shot two, so yeah. I hit the stomp pad. Shot two yeah. on the left, three in the middle. And okay, it was that's like, good. Yeah, but then it was like, oh, okay, well that was easy. Two more, and I was like, yeah. why did I let up? Why didn't I just keep the same intensity? I don't understand why. Oh, okay, okay. It was like I had all that intensity to get yeah. to make sure I got all my shots on the middle target. And then it was like, yeah. ah, okay. That was easy. Bang, bang. I'm uh, like, what? I mean, did you, did you get the hits? Oh yeah. Oh, I think that's uh, perfect. I only got, yeah. But I kind of slowed down going to okay. the third target. But I mean, the third target has, is a penalty target. And an, uh, as long as you didn't pick up any no shoot, that's great. You know, I, I, I think that's fine. Yeah. Cause you do have to kind of be more patient with that. The third target with the no shoot, you know? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I could have been a little more aggressive. A little uh, bit. A lot more, of but... what a lot of people did was they would activate uh, the the pad first, shoot the uh, middle target three times, and then finish on the the last two. Mm. And I feel like, yes, that's very safe. Uh, but you know, I think with the really good time, you don't have to be fast. You just have to time the the pad right. You know. Right. So I think the trick with that stage was uh. Basically, you activate the pad after you had drawn. And that's in that case, there's no worry. Like you don't have to rush to the uh, the, the clamshell. But a lot right. of people, I guess, did they didn't do that, uh, and they just wanted to be safe in the middle target. Yeah. So. Okay. So, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Uh, what um, What did you think of the four steel? activating the paper targets for steel yeah let me uh yeah there were four steel targets and then you had four paper targets where you put one round on each one and every steel oh that one yeah yeah sponsored by kkm yeah um wow uh, i i like i didn't remember who it was sponsored by uh i like that stage but i didn't do too well uh so uh, I'll talk about it. So I, I think that was a great stage. Great stage. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, if you if you if you get the sequence right, and you, if you don't miss, even if you missed, uh, you could still make up because it's a big steal and come back to the you know resume the sequence. But uh, um, so I saw a lot of guys shoot before I I actually got to shoot the stage, and. Uh, I don't know how I did it, but when when other shooters shot it, uh, the, the the swinger is on the left side, right? Uh, well, both sides. So swinger yeah, on so the both. yeah swinger on the left. Uh, it active it it activated too fast for me. Okay. For some reason, like I, I wasn't you know too slow on the uh, the steel, but so uh, 
the way to do it is you start from the left, right on the steel, like pom, 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 pom. And then you go back to the left side, get the swinger. Uh, let's see, there, there's two bobber, uh, two targets, and then finish on the right swinger. Uh, but it was a little bit too fast. And I it was closing, closing basically uh, the, the swinger head uh, came down and then it was closing in. So I took mm -hmm. a really quick shot, finished it, and came back to it and shot it again. Uh, so I, I landed Delta on it. Uh, so I didn't do too, I didn't do too good. I didn't do good at all, but uh, I, I, I really like that stage. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a, a fun stage. My concern was, yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can share this screen real quick. Hopefully you can see it. Okay. Okay. Um, but this would be, this was from my aim cam. There we go. Share. And whoop. we'll be able to talk over this. There we go. Hopefully I don't lose you. All right. Yeah. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, I see it. So, yeah. So you can see this is my, whoop, if I run my cursor over it, it's going to pop up information. But I, this was my dry fire, uh, my make ready. So, yeah, yeah. you had the, the four steel. Now, I assume you went left to right then. Yeah, left to right, left to right. Okay, yeah. So, it, look at there. KKM precision, KKM precision. Yeah. <laughs> so, you were absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, the clamshell is what had me concerned because all you had was I mean, you have the shoulders, but that's yeah. tight. To me, that's tighter than the the head box. Or the the head box, yeah. But yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to, you know, miss that and you know have to shoot, uh, you know, once it's closed. But right. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'll yeah. go ahead and start this thing. Uh, let me jump ahead. Yeah. Now, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Uh, this was one of my mental management errors. So yeah. I had, because I am not a June Kim shooter, my plan was actually to shoot right to left on the steel. Yeah. Then I would have plenty of time to hit the first swinger on the left. And about that time, oh, the, clam, I see, I see. the clamshell would open up and I'd have yeah. time to hit that. Okay. My, pro okay. my problem was, I was just talking to John McLean and someone else and we were chatting about it. And I said, no, nah, I'm going to stick with my stage plan. Yeah. But because I had just been talking to them about it, for whatever reason, I shot left to right instead of right to left. Okay. So one of my, so there's so my nod that I'm ready. I'm thinking what? you were, you had to really wait for that left swinger since it was the last to activate. Let's watch it. Yeah. Oh, you see what? You, go you ahead. You did go from left to right. I know, and I wasn't supposed to. That wasn't my stage. <laughs> okay. So I screwed up. Oh, so you you missed the right steal, and then you just had to go back for it. Yeah, I, I hit the I first three, missed yeah. the right one, and then had to go back and pick it up. I see. Yeah. 
but I still feel for me, for my pace of shooting that the right to left would have worked great for me because I wouldn't have waited on anything. I could have just gone straight across. Did you, uh, uh, so what do you remember the hits on the stage? Um, yes, because I have, I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. Okay. And there we go. I have the, uh, carry optics nationals up. I'm trying to remember now which stage. I think it was uh 1987. It had to be 18. It's either 18, 18 or 18, 17. 18. Yeah. Uh because it was yeah, right before like stage that. 19. Okay. So then 18. Yeah. And my hits were I got all the steel. <laughs> yeah. It was slow. I had seven alphas, one so I had one Charlie on that one. Um, okay, that's great. Time, the time was nine four two though it was slow. So, but but I mean, uh, okay, yeah, because you you made you, you know you, you had to go back to steel, but you you still only got one Charlie. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have an issue with accuracy. I have an issue with speed. That's my problem. But I'm okay with it. I, I yeah, I wasn't unhappy other than the fact that the thing that made me unhappy was. I went the complete opposite of what my stage plan was, what I had rehearsed in my head. That's everything. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I had a so couple like, of those moments. Yeah. I see. So you you had it pre-programmed to go right to left, but when did that just go foggy or in your head? Like not 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 until I started right. shooting. I'm like, but, I'm like, that's I'm funny I'm because about- that's funny because, like, right before you start, weren't you looking at the first target you were about to shoot? You know, yeah, I dry fired on the far left tar- far left target oh. instead of the right one. So maybe that's yeah. when I reprogrammed it. You know, after talking to them, it somehow got uh, reprogrammed, okay, okay, and okay. I yeah, and I dry fired my make yeah. ready left to right instead of dry firing right to left, and then so. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. That's probably yeah. where I screwed it up. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, shooting's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, twice Yi Min came up to me during the match and he, he yeah. stopped and he looked at me and he goes, those steel are far. And I think what he was trying to tell me was, you know, yeah. you're trying to move too fast through the steel. Uh-huh. You know, pay attention. So... So what was your, I'm going to go ahead and ask it now. What was your favorite stage? Uh, from the Nationals? Yeah. Uh, That's a good one. Yep. I like let, that let one. Me che- let me check it real quick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um. I think that was like a favorite stage, but uh, I thought stage one was really interesting for a oh. couple of reasons. All right, um, well, hold on then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna transition that over. All right, here it is. 
Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, hold on. We'll give it just a second. It'll start back over. There we okay. go. So here you are. I I believe this is your first string because it ends up being. Yep. Left um, uh, weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, yeah. Go ahead. Definitely not my favorite, but I think it's uh, uh, interesting to talk about. Okay. So um, talk to me. So it's like, it's that one stage where you could really mess up, you know? Uh, so it's not that it, it was the, had the largest points, but it could be very punishing if you, uh, you know, messed up the stage. So it was the, I would say the most nerve wracking one. It's like, you really have to be hundred percent sharp on this one. So, uh, I think this stage was the uh, turning point for the, the top guys uh in their places too so uh this really uh was a nerve-wracking uh, i would say memorable stage so how do you think you did on this one uh i did pretty good i mean like no penalties that's great and uh, uh <laughs> I, I think uh with on the second string toward the end i kind of rushed it i was like oh i want to finish a little bit faster subconsciously and uh, i dropped points there but it was three charlies and off also I guess I'll take that one. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh yeah, okay. I think I did good, uh, you know, with the reload manipulation, uh, you know, I didn't have any, uh, fumbles and then, uh, actually Nils had the problem of, you know, finding the dot with his weekend on the second string, uh, like things oh. like that could happen, you know, uh, yeah. but, uh, I didn't have any errors. It just, uh, you know, it wasn't the fastest, but I executed, uh, correctly. So. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had, uh, I'd, I've got the, um, yeah. Practice score pulled up. <laughs> no, you were, you were yeah. ninth overall on this stage. Yeah. I, I generally, so very good. To, yeah. I generally tend to do surprisingly well on like one hand, like one, like strong hand only or weekend only stages. Uh, I'm not sure why. I, I think it's, yeah, it's not like I'm really good at shooting with one hand, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll take it, you know. Yeah. Do you think you're just more focused on it because it's not a strength? Uh, like, I feel like, okay, so with one hand shooting, um, it doesn't matter if you're like super strong physically. Like you just, you have to be just, it's really all about uh, aiming and patience. Like um, with, with freestyle shooting, uh, if you're like six, seven and you're over 200 pounds, uh, you know, the recoil is going to be a little bit forgiving uh, as opposed to like, you know, uh, like light, like I, I'm pretty lightweight. Uh, even in minor, I, I think it has a, you know, small uh, differences and, uh, in, in recoil management, but with this tech, this kind of stage, it's a single shot and you're using one hand and, uh, basically physical strength, isn't the, uh, the advantage in a stage like this. So I, I guess okay. I was able to, uh, capitalize on that. Okay. Well, yeah. this is, this is the indelible mark I left on stage one. Can you see it? What? Oh, <laughs> Boy, but you, you're, you're right, right eye, right? You use right eye to aim? Yeah. 
Oh man, <laughs> I, this is where I made a social media post and I blamed Juanzik for this because I was. Yeah. So this was the freestyle portion of the stream. So I was tracking the A zone through okay. the wall, oh, and I and I thought I had cleared, mm. and I put it right through the wall, and I knew I did. And then for some reason, I immediately, yeah. even though I knew it was Virginia count, I was like, oh, yeah. let me bang. So <laughs> oh, you took an extra shot. I did. So I got a procedure for that, but there was only one shot on the target, though. So I did not get a second procedure or a penalty. Oh, uh, there was. Yeah. Really? So in a way. Yeah. So in a way, it wasn't bad. Um, I see. I got the procedural for the extra shot, obviously, the penalty, but. There was only one shot on the target, so it's not like it completely killed me. Yeah, I mean, you you, you made up. Yeah, that's wow. That's it's crazy. Um, yeah, and I was doing it while I was moving, so I didn't slow yeah. down either. And I was like, bang, oop, bang. <laughs> I didn't know. Someone showed me yeah. that I shot through the frame, so I had to take a picture. That's uh, Yi Min. That's nice. Yi Min on the right. And John yeah. McClain on the left taping it up. Oh, you didn't see it during the run? <laughs> I did not. I just noticed that yeah. something was wrong. So oh, I took okay. the extra shot. Okay, okay, okay. And as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, well. Like, I'm not stopping now, so. That's, okay, that's cool. As long as you didn't uh, get a mic, you know? <laughs> no, not on that one. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hoist. Hoist your IV level rehydrating electrolyte blend of sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium. It's clinically proven to hydrate 110% faster than water. Chris Gelnet was on episode 63 and gave his own personal testimony. He had a bad experience with the heat at area 8 in 2021 when temps were near 100 and the humidity was high. He was ready to quit with three stages to go. He had mentally checked out. Afterward, he listened to episode 48 with Rachel Trotta, decided to try Hoist, bought a case off Amazon, started using it at locals, and found, hey, I'm not fatigued at the end of the day. So he took it to Area 5, and at the end of the day, he was ready to shoot the match again. As a matter of fact, he even had a stage win on his last stage. Man, they have all the best flavors. They have watermelon, peach mango, dragon fruit, strawberry lemonade, grape, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. It's probably the only beverage that I've tried that I like all of the flavors. You can buy it either in a powder and mix it with water, or you can buy it pre-mixed, whichever way you prefer. But check it out, get hydrated, stay hydrated, use Casual Shooter and save 10% or be like Chris and have a recurring subscription and save 15%. So, usually, right. usually, um, if you're right-eyed and you're shooting with your right hand, uh, it's very likely or it's it's really easy to uh, shoot uh, the barrier on the right side where uh, the target's exposing oh. the left. Uh, right. which I've had tons of problems with. Like basically I would be shooting at it, but I'm just hitting the, the wall or the cover, but mm. I never had issues on the uh, wall on the left side. Yeah. Yeah. There's that's the first, yeah. but, yeah, but, uh, the, there, but 
yeah, the reason why you made that error was because you're tracking so hard. You to just took that shot a little too early. Yeah, maybe yep. maybe if you shot a little bit earlier and just shot through the barrier, it <laughs> they would have never clear. known. <laughs> yep, they would have yeah, never exactly. known. Yeah. And I've been like, I don't have any video of that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they they would have probably tilted their heads like. Mm. Wait a second, but like you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, if there's no mark, then there's like I, I don't yeah. know which side of the thing it went on. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, the the timing was impeccable for hitting that aluminum frame wall. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that it was a perfectly clean shot directly through it too. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I mean, it looks like it deflected a little bit, but it was still a. <laughs> A perfect hole through. Oh, it's crazy. All right. So well, I'm going to back up for just a second. Um, get back to your training and then we'll get back into nationals. So when you, okay, we know you don't stow the gun for the winter. You, you still maintain some type of hands-on practice. Uh, yeah. But when you, okay. So like next year, I assume you're going to be at carry optics nationals. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So it's in June. At what point are you going to pick up that gun and go, okay, I need to start practicing in earnest to get ready for the shooting season as well as nationals. Um, well, for the nationals, I would say, uh, so I, you know, before, you know, uh, like a level three match, I try to intensify training at least at least one month before uh you know it's difficult because you know we have full-time jobs you know it's just yeah and I it's still also, a hobby yeah also you have to load too you know you have to load ammo that takes time to uh but at least a month uh, uh for really intensive training and then uh getting back on you know back in the season is probably you know i'll probably shoot a, a major match in march so uh probably like february you know that's probably when i will start resume or resume. okay yeah but for for the for yeah for the level three i would say uh i i try to do it you know earlier and earlier so probably like april when i will get into really intensive training and then, yeah, it just gets more and more intense as you get as you get close to the uh, to date. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I guess the one, if you wanted to look at a benefit of it being in June, is it's almost impossible to get tired of shooting or get worn down yeah. from shooting when it's that yeah. early in the season. And, yeah. Also, it's it's less than a year after this national, so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah like okay let's go <laughs> <laughs> right what if, I'm what if they host the uh, uh nationals uh like in january <laughs> it's like four months apart it it, it better be somewhere warm <laughs> um, not ohio oh oh for sure not yeah it'd be like the super bowl where it's every february but it's got to be in a warm climate or you're gonna have a nasty weather super bowl yeah Next thing you know, we'll be shooting in Hawaii. Like, I'm gonna have to skip that one, guys. Now, are there any? This is a random question. 
Are there any ranges in Nevada that could handle a nationals? Yes. Um, thanks for bringing it up. Okay. I, uh, so, uh, desert sportsmen, uh, range, uh, it's in Summerlin. It's, uh, basically on the way to the red rock. Have you been to red rock? No, but I know what you're talking about. So that's where I go train. Uh, and, uh, because it's 15 minutes away from me and, uh, it's pretty much the nicest range in Vegas. They okay. used to host, uh, nationals, USPAC nationals, uh, maybe mm. 10 years ago. Yeah. Like all the time, you know, uh, it's best climate. Uh, obviously you don't, you want to avoid the, uh, the hottest months of the year. Yeah, but for sure. Outside that, you know, it's perfect. There's, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, uh, and plus, you know, there's tons of hotels, tons of, uh, you know, places to stay and flights are cheap. So I think it's really good for shooters. Um, uh, so I, I do want to advocate matches in, uh, you know, around this area. Uh, I, I also think St. George is a great uh, range for hosting big matches. Um, in fact, 2019 uh, Nationals was hosted in uh, St. George. So hopefully yeah. they get it back. Yeah, so, yeah. but I remember the sandstorms from Oh, that. yeah, yeah, the sand I don't bad. know that, yeah, but uh, that is know, at, not enjoyable. At least what they could do is, um, so Dragon's Cup 2.0, uh, uh, it's very sandy, but what they did was uh, early in the morning, they would just, you know, uh, uh, shower Water. water on, yeah. yeah, and it did help quite a bit. Uh, just really hot. It was really hot there, but they could do that to control it. You know, they, there's some methods, means to control the dust, and um, I think it's doable. Except for the fact that uh, I think recently they got they got flooded. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how, how things turn out. But yeah, the, the the whole range just got flooded like ankle deep. So wow. But, yeah, but other yeah, well, than that's... that, yeah. Still not as bad as the Pan American Games. <laughs> it, it's not. It's not. Yeah, exactly. So, that was so horrible. I was waiting for someone to get attacked by an alligator on one of those stages. Oh, that water yeah. was so deep. <laughs> I think uh, you know the river they have um, between the zones. I think. Yeah. I think uh, there are uh, actually alligators there. I'm sure there's one there somewhere. Yeah, um, but back to the Vegas uh, range. Um, yeah, they used to host, uh, you know, 10 plus years ago. They stopped, uh, I'm not sure why, some political reasons. And uh, in the recent years, they actually put walls, concrete walls inside each like action base to basically multiply, you know, the base. The so, thickness of the berm? Uh, no, I mean, like literally they put walls in the bay like right oh in just to oh, split okay. into two two base basically it's, instead of one base two base with a wall there so that kind of crippled it uh mm. from being able to host uh you know big matches but recently they've been trying to expand uh and create new bays uh so now they have like like 13 14 action pistol bays that uh, the local club uses to host uh, uh, local matches. So, um, yeah. But but I think uh, Vegas is a great location. 
and they should really move it to West Coast. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me, I, I would like to see it central in the U.S., but close to a, a large city where you have a large airport where yeah. everybody can fly into and then it's fairly yeah. close from there. Yeah. I think that works. And that's where I think CMP is not bad. It's only what an hour and a half from Atlanta. So it's, it's farther away than you'd like, but it's not bad. Yeah. CMP is not bad. Uh, I, I usually I drive from uh, Atlanta. Yeah. About one and a half hours. It's just that uh, uh, like hotels kind of hard to find. I mean, they, they have hotels, but you know, it's still, you know, a bit, there's distance between the range and, uh, uh, I had a really hard time finding like, you know, places to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's always the issue with uh, small towns. Yeah. yeah, man, something's got your dog all wound up. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> Matt Hopkins and I were trying to get a bite to eat after the membership meeting Saturday night. Yeah. Not a place open. Nothing. Uh, in Talladega or yeah, in or, Talladega. I know it's just, uh, I mean, I, I think the range is great. You know, it's, it's, you know, they have a pretty nice facility except for the, I think Matt, Matt also one time pointed out that it's not big enough. So right. actually that's one of the problems. They had to split so many, uh, uh, stages. Uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we like shooters are the ones that you know are spending you know basically uh, 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 financing all these matches you know uh we're, we're the source of you know the, the the cash and i think it's in everybody's best interest <clears throat> to make it you know you know easier for the shooters to uh you know travel so right I hope they, you know, choose ranges that shooters actually, uh, you know, prefer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't, I've looked, I've done a Google map of the, the range in Ohio, but I haven't tried to search for any type of hotels or Airbnbs or anything like that yet. So I yeah. don't know what that area is like. Yeah, I've uh, so first off, I've never heard of Marengo. <laughs> I've lived, in, I lived in a, a Cleveland. I, I was raised in Cleveland for probably like eight plus years, and then I went to. I'm sorry, uh, I can't count. But but I I went to high school in Cleveland. Uh, I went to college for four years in Columbus. Also, I lived okay. in Cincinnati. So I've lived in three big major cities in ohio so i've basically traveled back and forth back and forth uh, so i thought i i knew ohio but yeah they found a but you didn't <laughs> right yeah yeah marengo ohio yeah. yeah it's gonna be like just you know just total cornfield like nowhere and then there's gonna be a, a really nice range there <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah, you you would probably have to fly in um, to Columbus, and then it's probably like a forty minute drive up north of Columbus to get to the range. I, I don't yeah. think it'll be that bad. Yeah, Columbus has a lot of uh, um, hotels and places where you can find Airbnbs. You said forty minutes. 
Ah, uh, that's that's uh, last time I checked. That's about maybe like over an hour. Yeah, but mm. it, it's pretty close to Columbus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that I mean I I so a year ago when I was at Nationals, yeah, um, I stayed in Oxford, so northeast of CMP. This year, okay. I decided I was going to stay in Talladega, which is directly south, yeah. and it was half the time it took me. But like like you were saying, I mean, the the stuff in – there's nothing in Talladega. I know. And the place where I stayed, when I pulled up, I was like, wow, this hotel looks like it's abandoned. So <laughs> not the best uh, hotel I've ever stayed in. But I'm also uh, one of those I'm like – I don't yeah. care. It's not leaking on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. there's nothing living inside the room. Yeah, I know. So I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, as the, as long as there's no bugs, like I, I'm totally fine. Right. Like, really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> All right. I, oh. I've got Google Maps up here. I'm trying to. Oh, okay. Uh, let me add this. Give me a half a heartbeat here, and I will share this screen there we go here's okay. columbus yeah. yeah here's columbus right here yep so directly do like north northeast yeah of columbus, about, so uh, about just about an hour drive yeah but but yeah that's oh. like yeah i've never been there i mean i i would so we we take a 71 uh you know up and down okay yeah, yeah. So it's off of highway. That's that's great. Like it's right off of highway. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's right off of Interstate seventy one. So, oh, that's I, kind of exciting because I haven't been back in Columbus for a few years. So, uh, in a few years. Cardinal Center. Let me see if I can Google. Come on, I got a lot yep. going on on my computer right now. So there's a population was 300 in 2010 yeah yeah 342 <laughs> yeah. holy nice. cow that's like nothing oh and look at that it's literally oh wow right beside the interstate wow so yeah it'll be interesting now talking to ye men i guess they're yeah they still have some stuff they have to do to get ready like the range if they were to hold nationals today, they couldn't do it because the range not doesn't have all of the stuff they need to actually yeah. do. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I'm excited. Slash, like I know it's gonna be rainy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Now, was this your first nationals? No, I. Uh, so I actually went back. Uh, to you know all the records to see like how I've been doing. I I shot my first nationals in 2019, so I've I've been around. So at St. George, okay. Yeah, in St. George, uh, but um, slightly off topic, but I basically saw my standings at the nationals for the last few years, and uh, I I've basically halved my standings every year. Ooh. So I guess that's an improvement. So we're so in June on June 25th at 6 p.m. 
I expect to see June at number 11 or better then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually pretty good to keep having your, your standing. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, as long as I'm, you know, going, you know, you know, going up and not going down, I, I guess that's, you know, that's good. Yeah, that's a plus for yeah, sure. That's a plus, yeah. So between CMP, St. Yeah. George, and Frostproof, which of those three is your favorite location? To, if you're going to shoot a match like the, the size of Nationals, I, I, I know that St. George is closer, so that helps. But taking that out of the picture, just looking yeah. at the range facilities from the three. Yeah. So like uh, no bias. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Las Vegas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no bias there at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I still think St. George. Uh, and I'm not, you know, trying to be subjective in any manner. Uh, it's because. St. George is uh, a, a city that sort of invites, you know, like uh, like sports, sporting events. Okay, so they, yeah. They, they have the facilities and capacity to host, you know, people. Like there's hotels, okay. there's restaurants, you know, they have, it's, you know, all like kind of packed in this one city. Um, obviously, for a big match, it's still going to be, kind of pushing because um there was a one big uh no nah, that's that's off topic but yeah uh, so they, they have the capacity they have the hotels um and the weather's pretty good uh so i i think it still is the best location and uh i mean i i go up there to shoot you know it's it's like two hour drive from las vegas uh so i go up there to shoot local matches and they have enough bays to, you know, have like 24 plus like stages. Wow. Individual stages, not split. You know, I, I'm not right. a big fan of like split stages, you know. Um, yeah. I always, always mess up the second one because <laughs> my, my mental was still like dwelling on the first one. Yes. Uh, so they have uh, the, the number of bays. Uh, basically unlimited parking lot just unlimited parking lot oh um and you don't have to like drive out like 30 minutes to get to your hotel it's just right there uh, uh you're selling yeah. me pretty good on saint george yeah i mean like i have nothing to gain from you know uh promoting saint george range right they have a base that are big enough to you know have a stage with like 40 yard, 50 yard targets. So I think, you know, they got everything, you know, and their, their background is like super tall too. So I think um, they should really push it to uh, like St. George. Well, I've heard that St. George is um, going to petition to have it back there. So yeah, that would be great. Yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really happy they're pushing it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So that's my pick. I think Frostproof is great because they have it's just a straight hallway and then there's you know bays everywhere. Right. Uh just just the timing has to be right, you know, other other than like, you know, we basically shot in the, the storm season, you know. Yeah. So that was pretty rough. Um but I think frostproof is nice. Uh, 
So that would be like my my next choice. But even I, then, yeah. I, I mean, you have to take, and I'm glad you said what you said, because you have yeah. to take all the logistics into account. Yeah. And oh, even, even with Frostproof, yeah. you know, I was 25, 30 minutes away from the range. Yeah. I'm sorry. I take it back. I take it back. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what's the choice between St. George CMP and uh, Frostproof? Correct. Okay. So, uh, so I hear good things about Colorado range, the uh, cameo, cameo range. Uh, yeah. So I would, uh, I would say St. George is the, my pick and uh, that that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, I, I struggled, I struggled really hard on <coughs> in, uh, in frostproof actually. Like that, it was really difficult to. Uh, so I, I kind of gave up on just going to restaurants. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to Walmart, kind of get uh, food and just make my own. You know, just got groceries and made my made my own food. So that that was very okay. Difficult. I lost like three pounds there because I couldn't even eat properly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you do you remember where you stayed in relation to Frostproof? Was it north, south? Uh, so this year, uh, um, I think it's called Sebring's Sebring. Okay. So yeah. Not, I stayed in North Sebring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I was, uh, uh, which is still a very small town. Like, uh, there's like no Chipotle or, you know, Chick-fil-A it's, it's a very small town. Uh, right. yeah. So it was hard to find, a. so I can't, I have a diet issue. Like I can't really eat uh, cheese or dairy. So. Um, it was hard to find a, a place there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Did you hey. see a camouflage building with a T-Rex outside of it? <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that is, um, two years ago when the three of us from the podcast went to nationals together, we yeah. ate there every single what, day. What, what is it called? Uh, it's something Oh, Turkey Tavern. That's what it's called. Yeah. Oh, damn. It's okay. literally the outside is painted camouflage, like old school yeah. camouflage. Yeah. And there's a T-Rex at the corner of the front of the building. It's crazy. But so you, you would recommend that uh, restaurant? Actually, the food was quite good. Okay. Okay. We, so We uh, went there as a joke. Oh, I see. I see. When we, but after we ate there the first time, we're like, yeah. whoa, this food is I, good. <laughs> so we ended up going back every day. That's good. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, nuts. I'll keep that noted. Yeah. Nice. But but yeah, um, you know, finding places to eat was a struggle. Uh, so wow. I would say, you know, St. George is a good place. And I hope Vegas comes back and hosts Nationals again. Yeah, I, I would like to. That would be pretty cool. So, so. Okay. You know, speaking of this uh, matter... Uh, I did run a survey uh, on Brian Eno's forum. I'm sure you you, you know that, right? Um, yeah, I know of the forum. I don't spend yeah. a whole lot of time on there uh, yeah. with this so podcast. It's, it's basically the forum for competition shooters. And uh, right. uh, I ran a uh, like a poll. Uh, I, I put up a, a, a like a kind of a big list of uh, ranges that hosted uh, nationals previously in the last okay. uh, maybe 15 years. And uh, the top pick was uh, St. George and Las Vegas. And the reasons are people would have their opinions. You know, they, they would say like, 
oh, like I don't mind going to places that I want to visit. So that, that's like one of the mm. biggest reasons. Yeah. Uh, so Vegas is, you know, everybody wants to visit, you know, sometime. Um, so that's that's good. And uh, St. George had, I think it had the most number of uh, 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 votes. Yeah. So the top okay. two was St. George and Las Vegas. Yeah. Well, and that's like my wife that has no desire to go to Talladega with me because <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's nothing for her to do there. So yeah, she's like, she doesn't mind coming and watching me shoot. But if yeah. I'm then staying, if I'm following yeah. the super squads around or other yeah. people like guests that I've had on the podcast, she yeah. doesn't care to do that. So what in the right. world is she going to do? You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's Vegas just, uh, yeah. would be completely different. Yeah, plenty could, for her to do. Oh, tons of places. Yeah, like yeah. I know. So I, I feel like we shooters have the, you know, have, you know, have the, uh, you know, agree on that part. So I hope uh, our voices, you know, get heard by the, uh, uh, the board of directors and people who decide who decide where the matches get held. Do you ever go to SHOT Show? I, I, I did. I, I think I did this year and then, um, I, believe the last one that you know before pandemic okay i went to yeah. this one too um yeah. and imagine running nationals right up into shot show you mean in january yeah so the very you could call it the very end of the season like january would be your super bowl yeah and every january be the super bowl in vegas for uspsa yeah and book it with the National Shooting Sports Foundation's SHOT Show. So yeah. when USPSA ends, you know how yeah. they do that big um, shooting event? I like shootouts. Uh, well, they have yeah. for SHOT Show, before yeah. the show actually starts, the day before, they have a big private shooting event. Oh, like kind of, is it like a media day or something? It is a media day. Yep. I see. Yeah. But you could run the USPSA and yeah. have it end the day prior. Yeah. Next day would be the media event. And then the next four days would be SHOT yeah. Show. Yeah. That the sounds like an amazing there. idea. That sounds yeah. like an amazing idea. Yeah. I, so like I basically, with, yeah. Go ahead. It's, it's, it's good for both parties. Like shooters get their spotlight. The vendors get their spotlight. You know, it's, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Imagine how much more yeah. Yeah. media coverage nationals would get oh, as well yeah, yeah. because it's, they it's, would it sounds too good to be true like it's <laughs> like that's like uh yeah yeah that's a great idea yeah it would be amazing uh especially with carry optics being standalone have carry optics nationals right there every year be perfect yeah absolutely um, perfect it's a it's a little chilly in in uh, during that time i was maybe. there if oh, you're really? from the East Coast, it's not chilly. It is fantastic weather. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, that, that's great. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's like a dream come true for the the community. Yeah. Yeah, it would be uh, phenomenal. And like I was saying, I obviously you know Frank Shue. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, him and Nils were at SHOT Show for, you know, in Canuck's booth. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't it wasn't a booth. They had a huge area. 
Yeah, I stopped but, by too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah, yeah, they were hanging out there. So how great is that? You know, JJ will be shooting. Yeah. Mills will be shooting. Yeah. Uh, Max will be shooting. So every shooter. Yeah. Who you know those guns who sponsor them, those manufacturers yeah. are all at Shot Show. Yeah. So it's the perfect transition. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a no brainer to me. Yeah. 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 I, I am getting, I'm going to have to get on the uh, bat phone and give them a call. Yeah. I, I'm not I, like, so who makes the decision on where the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the nationals are uh, held at? I think it's, I think what it is, is the um, president comes up with locations, but the board, everybody kind of agrees to it. They vote on it type of a thing. I th they okay. all negotiate, you know. So I think it would be ye men, to be honest with you. And then the board would agree to it or not. But yeah, it would also but, be nice yeah. where you could schedule it every year. And so people like me and you and 99% of the other shooters who have a day job and then they, you know, they shoot or compete on the side. It'd be nice knowing every January from January 10th to January 24th, I'm going to take off two weeks from work. I'll yeah. save up all my other vacation days, take yeah. that time off every year. I can plan it. You know, it'd be perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, just, I, I, I can't, I can't agree more. Yeah. I think that, well, there's one thing. Okay. Uh, the range is not ready. Uh, so somebody has to push that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, if, if, if they started now, you know, yeah. maybe two years down the road, three yeah, years, even one whatever year. it is. Yeah. If, if uh, okay. people are committed. Yeah. Even one year. Yeah. It, that That's, I, I believe that's possible. Yeah. And if you go into cahoots with the national shooting sports foundation, there might be a way where, you know, multiple organizations come together with the range facility and say, look, because of your location to a major airport hub of a city that can handle hundreds of unlimited. thousands. Yeah. 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 It's, it's unlimited. Yeah. It'd be very easy. Then, you know, this is where we want to create our nationals every year for whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think you can, you could do that. I so, would, I would bet uh, pretty much anyone that you talk to will, will say that's a great idea. Yeah, I don't think anybody could possibly disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a hard one to, to argue yeah. for sure. Yeah. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.